When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for the VolQuest Mailbag Podcast, answering your questions from the General's Quarters every week, right here on VolQuest. Good Thursday morning, everybody. Welcome to the VolQuest Mailbag Podcast with all surprise print hubs, Rob Lewis. I'm Eric Kane. As always, a big thank you to Exterior Home Solutions for making all this possible. 865-524-5888, or you can visit Exterior Home Solutions online after this winter weather, just getting out of the area here this uh, this week. Uh, if you have a need, give them a call or go online at exteriorhomesolutions.com. we got a full bank of questions. We'll start with Athrun, and he wants to start off with a GMAC question. What recruit does Jordan or does George McIntyre, his commitment, help with the most, Austin? I'm going to go David Sanders. Um, you know, I, you, you could say one of the – as far as, like, non-in-state kids. Because, I mean, like, I think George has a great relationship with all the in-state kids. So, I think that already gives Tennessee a leg up. But the non-in-state kids, I would go David Sanders. Um, you know, I, I think those two, you know, jive pretty well. They're similar personalities. And, um, you know, uh, you know, Gordon Clemson, Georgia will be right there in the mix for David Sanders. But I think having George McIntyre involved helps Tennessee immensely for David Sanders. Rob Lewis, as of today, January the 25th, is this basketball team a one seed in the SEC tournament and or the NCAA tournament? Man, I mean, I, I think they're the, they're not the one seed in the SEC. Did you say, did you say SEC, Eric? SEC and well, or no, I mean, Auburn, Auburn's, the, Auburn's the one seed in the SEC tournament. I mean, they're, they're defeated. That was easy. NCAA, I mean, you're splitting hairs. I mean, Tennessee's ranked fourth. I mean, I – I would I would think that they're, they're a one seed, but man, I mean, you're you're splitting hairs here on on January twenty fourth, twenty fifth when this thing's released. Um, I mean, what what is the poll this week? I mean, Kansas fell out. North, I know North Carolina's third, Purdue's second, or Purdue's first. I just, I mean, I I could easily see Tennessee being a one seed, but that that's going to go back and forth all year long. With in, in my mind. As long as Tennessee stays where they're at, excuse me, you know, they, they could fall off the map and it won't go on. But I just, you know, UConn right now would be there. Purdue would be there. North Carolina, then, you know, Houston or, or, or Tennessee would probably be who you're talking about for fifth. I would say yes as of today. But, man, that 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 thing could change, all you know, every every night. Would, would I think Tennessee, Auburn, Kentucky right now are five, six, and eight in, in, in the poll. I'm not sure what they are in Ken Palm or the, or the net. But yeah, I, I would say they're they're right there in the discussion, and will stay there as long as they're playing like this. Brent Hubs, what is the biggest position of need for the class of twenty twenty five? Oh, for me, it's the line of scrimmage. Um, you know, I think when you look at those defensive, those you know, the loss of the in, interior defensive lineman. Now, I, I think getting you know Jackson Moy was big because that gives you a, another body there, a good body there. You got Hobbs. We'll see where. 
you know, some other guys develop a Jason Jenkins, uh, you know, where's weather weather's be going to play ultimately what happens with a guy like Nathan Robinson. But um, to me, I think you you got questions in the line of scrimmage uh, on both sides going into the 25 C going into the, you know, next season, which would be a factor in, in the class of 25, how big the offensive line stuff is. I think that depends on where you think you are with this group that just came in and, and what's their development and what's the, the, the development of Aiden Bustle's class. But for, for me, I think it always, I think I always go lean towards linemen. Uh, and, and for me, it's the interior defensive line. We'll move on next to Fravel, and he wants to know how active will Tennessee be in the spring portal and at what positions, Austin? I feel like a lot of those answers will be a lot of the, a lot of that will be decided after spring practice. Who may leave your roster, and just depending on what what your need is after you get fifteen practices in. Agreed. Uh, you hit the nail on the head, Eric. I mean, like I, I, at this point in time, I think Tennessee's very comfortable with their roster going into spring. I think that they'll see who could potentially leave or what holes they may need to fill. I mean, you never know what's going to happen with a potential injury that pops up when, or you go, okay, that kid's going to be out for eight months. I'm going to need another blank, you know, linebacker, running back, whatever. Right. And so you hope none of that happens and you don't have to worry about anything, but it's definitely something where you have to uh, at least be mindful of it. But I think, you know, you're not going to know any of that until after spring. I think I think the spring portal is going to be a little bit fascinating. Uh, if if there's a move at Michigan, you know, if if Harbaugh does go to the NFL, you know, those guys will have the 30 day window to go in the portal, but they can't land anywhere realistically because spring semesters are starting. So, is there a temptation by coaches around the country to say, "Hey, I'm going to take a best available guy"? Like I, this guy's too good. I don't really need. I don't have a great need there, but this guy's too talented of a player for me to pass up on, does that change a little bit of the portal? Or is it more just solely about need and only need in the springtime? Um, my guess it's the latter, but it's an interesting thing. Uh, do you think, uh, not to get deviated too far off, do you think that the rule changes for the window um, when coaches leave from 30? I, I, 30 is too long, right? Like I think Alabama's movement's done. Well, how many, what are we, 10 days past, you know, or, or, or 10, 12 days past Nick retiring? I mean, you know, I mean, I, I think two weeks at, at max needs to be the window. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, I, I just don't see them having much movement. And honestly, it behooves you to either fire your coach in November and have a replacement in, in place by the time that the kids can go into the portal uh, in December or have what Michigan's about to have potentially in a late exit where, as you said, kids are kind of stuck um, and we'll have a chance to meet the new coach all the way through spring practice. Now, here, here's the thing. Remember this. it's a You can go into that portal when the coach leaves, not when the coach is hired. So what if it takes three weeks to hire a coach? So if you narrow it down to where you've only got two weeks to go into the portal and it takes you 17 days to hire your coach, does the, does the new coach even have a chance to keep you at, at that point? Or are all those guys going in the portal because – they don't know who the new coach is going to be, and the time the time window for them to go in the portal is closing. I think it's 30 days because you don't know how fast you're going to hire a replacement. Um, I agree 30 days is a long time if you hire somebody five days after you fire a coach, but that's not not always the case when, when you look at it. Yeah, for, for every for every Kalen DeBoer and, or, or promotion from within, you have a John Curry search that goes, you know, 48 days. I was gonna say too, yeah. If if Michigan, all right, I'm calling my move. therapist at this point. Let me let me get, let me get them. Hubbard, Hubbard, can you? Hubbard, it's a can long you, ride. Hubbard, can you shake loose in Dallas? 
<laughs> oh, this afternoon. I was just got that nervous tick. He was like, <laughs> uh, let's go to Nashville 615. How big of a problem right now is, is tampering, um, you know, around the country and in both college football and college basketball, Rob, you want to start with basketball? Is, is well, it yeah, a- man, I mean, it's, it's, I don't, I mean, is, is it a problem or is it just a fact of life? I mean, I don't know that you're going to, I mean, I, if everybody does it, is it a problem? I mean, I, I mean, it's, it's, it happens. I mean, I don't know that. If if you're pointing fingers and you're not doing it, then I mean you're you're behind. And I don't know how I don't know that you can control it, Austin. I mean I no. just don't. I mean, I mean not, I don't, not know, unless you're not unless you're having people turn their cell phones in when they leave work. You know, every night you're you're not controlling it. It's like when your kids get home, you like put it in the basket. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> But, but it's but and, and it's some of it's legal tampering, right? Like it's the third party call somewhere along the way where you talk to the, the former AAU coach. And yeah, quote, I mean, you're calling him about another player. That exactly. Hover, that's like, it. Hey, hey, how's oh, Tommy doing over oh, there? Oh, by the way, college, you know? I was watching Team X on Tuesday night. I noticed Tommy got two minutes. What's up? You know, yeah. while while I'm recruiting little Jimmy, who's, who's yeah. a rising junior. What's up with this kid I recruited two years ago who? you know, not playing. Yeah. I mean, it's like you said, AP, I mean, it's, you can, you can dress it up as anything. Yeah. And then of course you got Caden Proctor who comes out there and he, he <laughs> you know, in the, in, in the middle of Iowa's gymnasium says, yeah, I mean, you know, they, they were checking in on me middle of the year when I was going having a rough time. And I'm like, never, never stop checking in. I mean, yeah. I, you know, but I mean, like, look, they were looking out for his best interest, which goes back, which goes back to, is the NCAA going to do anything about that comment? Like, which goes back to they cherry pick, like Florida State. I don't care what happened. Dullest thing State. ever. Give me a break. Like, this whole thing is a sham. Let it be a free-for-all. It is a free-for-all. Quit trying to, like, you know, well, it was kind of an inducement. Oh, well, you did that. Like, shut up. Like, it's all this whole thing is an inducement. Like, it's all a joke. Nashville 615 also goes on. He said, it's January the 1st, 2026. Has college football fixed any of these big issues that we've been talking about here lately? The unlimited transfers, NIL restrictions, early signing day, and if you have any real solutions. And, and again, we, we talked about the the window moving from 30 days to 15 or 14 if a coach leaves. Any other solutions to maybe kind of fix some of these big issues? And will they be fixed in the next two years? I'll go no, Hubs. I'm going yeah, to Maybe one, of, no. maybe one of them. Maybe one say, of them. Is it? I'll say. I'm going to say no. And is it really a problem when? This is my biggest question. I know some fans don't like it. Older fans, in particular, don't like it. You think ESPN is complaining about about the numbers they drew for the for the playoff, the three the three games they televised? They're not. I, I, I they're not complaining. They drew thirty over thirty million eyeballs. Well, as somebody <laughs> I talked to this week said said it this way, and I thought it was pretty said pretty well the entertainment aspect of college athletics has never been healthier it's never been better the the education the development the growth of the student athlete within college athletics maybe is not as healthy as it's ever been because of all these other things that are going on out there and so the question is who is going to steer it to say hey Let's look at what's best for the student athlete versus let's 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 not focus so much on the entertainment value because the entertainment value is what's making it money, right? 
and, and it's never been healthier, as Rob, you just mentioned with, with TV games. So those people don't care. And, and I've seen a couple of proposals and a couple of things out there that I, I think are interesting. You know, one one thought out there from some coaches has been eliminate the winter transfer portal window and just say, hey, you can't go to the summertime, you know, and, and let you and focus on recruiting kids in December and January. Well, I mean, okay, that's that's fine, but how much is that hurting the student athletes development at a new school, you know, and, and what is the what is the point of that? Is that gonna is that gonna hold up? It's like I, I still can't believe the SEC's got this rule in that if you don't go in the winter window, you can't go to another SEC school in the spring window. I mean, if somebody fights that or, that, or say, that'll, I mean, that'll last as long as until somebody hires a lawyer. Yeah, I mean, that's not gonna hold up. And so to, to answer his question, Austin, I don't think we're going to see a lot of answers because I don't know that anybody has ironclad answers that are going to win in the court of law and that are going to win in the court of public opinion. Yep, and I'm telling you, Nick Saban's going to be the next com- the first commissioner of college football. It'll either be he or Greg Sankey, one of the two. Well, I think it's – I mean, if Nick wants it, I think it's got a better chance of being – probably being him because – he is going to be more nationally regarded by everybody out there. The problem that you have with a guy like Greg Sankey is everybody in the Big Ten, everybody in these other conferences are going to scream foul because it's going to be a regional bias. It's going to be a Southern bias thing. That's going to be the hard part of getting a, a commissioner in is this 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 group of guys, they eat their own, right? I mean, <laughs> I mean they just torch and tear each other up and – I, I think I think that that's why it's hard to find a commissioner, and I think that's why it's going to be hard to unionize guys because I don't know that you can get everybody in all regions of the country on the same unified platform. So in the next five years, probably no commissioner, right? Well, if if you break away, I mean, Rob, if you break away from the NCAA, you have to have leadership. Somebody's got to be a commissioner. If there's a, if the big boys break away and, and and move away from the NCAA, somebody has to be in charge. So if that's going to happen in the next five years, there'll have to be a commissioner for the quote big schools, Power Five, whatever they call that new world. Somebody's got to be running that thing, right? I would think so, but I mean, and. I mean, I, and I think it breaks away. I don't know if it's in five years, but, and, and I'm, I'm taking credit for this. I said it way before Chip Kelly that, I mean, it's going to, I think it's going to break away because Arizona State's softball team flying to Rutgers, you know, is, is stupid and, and instead of, you know, playing Oregon or, or Stanford or, you know, vice versa. I mean, Syracuse, you know, flying to UCLA to play a volleyball game is, is stupid. I mean, that, that's, that's not like, you know, flying, a team, you know, a team taking five road trips a year in, in football on fr- on a Friday or Make the call, on a Thursday. Commissioner, make the call. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those home diamond sports starting in about those home games for softball and baseball starting in a couple of weeks. See, that, that's be- what I think is going to drive it eventually. That I mean, you, you, your water polo team, you know, flying cross country. I mean, that that kind of stuff is dumb. It's not. And you're not excited for the soccer game between UCLA and Rutgers. No, and and I'm I'm sure you know and and you know the administration, the people, you know the parents that, that are going to that those and, games shouldn't aren't aren't excited either. Am I wrong to think that when you do these type things, that it almost has to be like you know like when the like when the when Barnum and Bailey would come to the United Center in the '90s, and the Bulls would go on like their 23 day road trip to the West Coast. I mean, do they not have to do yeah. that almost with, with these teams? Like when UCLA comes out here to play Rutgers, they also need to play at Maryland and and like can kind of do it in the consecutive yeah. 
fashion. I mean, like, is that, am I wrong to think that? Are they really going to just be going like this the whole year? Well, D- Diamond's like, I, I can speak on behalf of baseball. Like, in general, the practice is if you play baseball up north at a school up north, a lot of times you come down for the month of February and a little bit of March, come down to the south, make a southern swing when you're in non-conference play so you can play baseball before you go back and then your field is, you know, you can get the snow off your field and, and play ball up there. So, I mean, I, I get what you're saying. I think that would make a whole lot of sense. But it would make more and sense then, if yeah. they just played, their, you know, the, the teams in their region. <laughs> True. Yeah, and again, you know, when you talk about when you talk about breaking away, I mean, is just football breaking away? You know, I don't think basketball is going to break away with the NCAA owning the tournament, the postseason tournament. So, you know, when you think about breaking away, as Rob, you suggested, it's going to be just for, for football. And, and then we'll see what, what that looks like. But I mean, there's a lot of things there. There's a whole, whole lot of stuff you got to get through before you can just say, Hey, we're breaking away. Right. Oh, yeah. It's, it's not as easy as some people think that it, that it is out there that you're just going to go start it up. I mean, um, you're going to have state legislatures involved. Yeah. Right, yeah. And, and a lot of, you know, not just, the, you know, one or two, like every state that, you know, has a university that's going to do it. All right, let's move on to Relton for Life. Uh, Austin, why did Lance Hurd transfer from LSU? Was it playing time going to be limited there with guys ahead of him? We've mentioned about the four starting you know, linemen returning, a couple of really good tackles. Was he not happy with the situation, or was it something else? Yeah, I mean, he had two five-star offensive tackles, one at the right, one at the left, that were a year older, uh, that had a year more experience. And so, you know, to get to the path, get, to get to the field quicker, the path was to leave. And so that's why he left. He played 175 snaps this past year and was probably looking at playing about 175 snaps again this year. And I think he just wants to play more football. I can't argue with that. And then last one here from Relton for a lot before we get into um, our break. Uh, Rob Lewis, do you th- believe the reason everyone was so happy in Mayberry was because none of them were married? The only person that was uh, married was Otis, and he stayed drunk all the time. Eric, you know, you know you're know, you asking the wrong person on this podcast, that, that question. When you have two, you've been watching it, haven't you? You've got When you have the, the Mayberry Encyclopedia sitting there in the bottom right-hand corner of this podcast screen. Well, you, you, got, you got two couples you have to examine in that question, okay? <laughs> First of all, Annabelle Silby and Tom, because Tom went to Charlottesville and she claimed he got run over by a bus, but he really didn't. He just wanted to get away from her. So that was a marriage that had a lot of problems because Tom supposedly drank quite a bit. And then AP, you had the other married couple that the only way they were happy was when they were screaming at each other, because when they tried to make them be kind to each other. Good morning, honey. Morning, dear. (laughs) When you had those people, they struggled. So. I mean, there was a lot. There's a lot of marriage counseling use out of out of the show, out of the Andy group. This, and, and welcome and, to the Wallquest group text. And, 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 Otis, <laughs> and Otis just wanted and Otis. Otis was just wanted to be one of the one of the people at the jail. I mean, he he only he slept there when he was drunk, but he told his brother he worked there. There you go. <laughs> and welcome to the group chat. You're exactly right. All right. We got plenty more questions to get into, but first, let's get a word from our friends over at Exterior Home Solutions. Are we going to see Brent Hubs on the roof here, or is it going to be Mark Packer? Let, let's find out. You know, life happens, and damage to your home can be extremely stressful. That's why it's important to find someone who offers efficient, quality work with financing options. Exterior Home Solutions, they value not only family, but community. And they're who I call when life happens, and you should too. 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Austin Price. Hey, I do have a question. A lot of people are wondering about the roof. Hub's getting up there. I mean, this is old news, but why didn't you get on the roof and do a spot AP? I don't remember. Hub's volunteered for it. I remember saying, I don't know if I want to get up there. And Hub's goes, I'll He's go. A you know, and you know. I just uh, every time they every time AP points at me, I pick up the phone. They're, 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 I'm like they're, they're like did AP did, are you guys recording your podcast and AP just point at you the I'm sorry yeah I'm sorry I called you're in football season I see that spot I called like again 12 times I called again guys I'm sorry because <laughs> you see it a couple times in robbery Thursday and then here so I, I just love that it airs on the locker room even though I can't be on the locker room I'm still on the locker room your presence is still felt. It's Exterior Home Solutions. Again, what, what a time if, if you have a need because of all this winter weather. The snow is kind of getting off the ground right now. Maybe you have some things you got to attend to at your home. Exterior Home Solutions can help you out there. That is 865-524-5888 for a free estimate or online at ExteriorHomeSolutions.com. Let's move on now to Glock Vols. Uh, seems like recruiting might be a different strategy so far this year, Austin. Example, LRB went to see a tight end. Do you think the staff will collectively recruit more than just their positions in this cycle yeah i think there's a real chance of that right um i, I think that there's a that there could be a little bit of a move to uh to area recruit versus position recruit and sometimes it's just natural right like you know okay hey i'm going to this town with a four-star offensive lineman there's also a pretty good tight end down the street a couple of years ago like i think three different coaches were in kansas city to see like three different kids <laughs> like I don't think that's necessarily be the case, especially in this January window. Um, so I do think that they could be a little bit of a different strategy um, with this 2025 cycle. How was David Sanders the number one offensive tackle in the cycle when he weighs only 250 pounds? First of all, Austin, do you think that weight is accurate or do you think that he's you know probably 10 pounds heavier than that? No, he's bigger than that. Um, yeah. And if you've seen him, I mean, he is, he's just, I mean, he's your prototypical long tackle body. Um, like, quit worrying about – quit trying to self-evaluate this kid, right? Like, I mean, everybody's got this kid pegged as a top – as the top tackle, if not one of the top two um, in, the, in the country. I mean, the kid is uh, – he's big, man. And he, when he camped to Tennessee this past year, you can see why everybody's going to want him. Um, and trust me, you want a kid like that. You want a kid that's 260, and when they put 30 or 40 pounds on him, he doesn't look big, Hubs. Like, he's still – he can still move. He's still athletic. Um, he's physical. Um, he's exactly what all teams want. They don't want a big sloppy body. If well, not, not at 16 or 17 years of age, you don't. I mean, Correct. he's still young. I mean, he's got another year of high school football. I mean, he's only going to grow. It's not like he's. It's not like you're trying to sign him now and bring him here in August and put yes. him in the lineup. I mean, you know, <laughs> I mean, he's got he's got time to put on the right kind of weight, good weight, and. Um, I, I think his frame looks like it's going to have no trouble filling out. But I mean, you got to remember, they're still kids. I mean, he, he, I mean, that's just the reality of it. He's just got he moves, he bends, he does all the things that you want. He's got the length, and you look at him, and you don't, you're not afraid that he's going to stuck be stuck at some light weight. You just there's nothing to suggest that he's not going to be able to put on weight and be 
you know, be heavy enough and be big enough to do that. And here's the other, here's the other thing. I, I and I, I'm I'm going to assume here that he said he threw out the weight based off of the profile at on three or twenty four seven or rivals or whatever he's looking at. Those things can be wrong. Like there are plenty of times where the kid's weight or height doesn't get updated, and the receiver may say it's he's six one and he's now six three, or the offensive lineman may say he's two fifty and he's already two eighty. Right? Like like those things aren't always just readily updated because they're not going to update them until they have verified weights and heights. They're not just going to go, oh, the kid said he was two sixty because the kid needs it, you know, need, need make it makes him look better. Like they want verified stuff. So don't get all caught up in the heights and weights that you see on a profile page because he admitted he's not watched his film. Was Marcus Tatum the one that was like two eighty that played a ton? No, Marcus Tatum showed up here about two thirty five. Same thing <laughs> as. as, as but but Pick you're right. One. You eventually Pick got one. there. You eventually Pick, got three hundred. Pick one for the butch era. But, but Nathan Niehaus, Marcus yeah. Tatum, two kids that Butch thought he was going to turn into Eric Fisher two point and go from two forty to three hundred. And not everybody's made that way. No. Um. Last one here from Glock Falls. Where do you think we see the biggest effect from uh, George McIntyre on the offensive line or at wide receiver? I assume he means recruiting. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Recruiting. I mean. I would I would still lean total impact is going to be receiver hubs more so than offensive line, but I, I do think he can have an impact in both. Yeah, well, I mean, listen, Tennessee's already entrenched in recruiting some high high quality, high um, highly rated, high profile offensive linemen. Right? You got you got the Gaston kid, you got David Sanders. Those are all in the footprint in an area where George is going to be able to help recruit. And George and Petty, George understands, you know, hey, I need help up front too, right? Like, I mean, he, he's he's going to work David Sanders because he wants David Sanders as much as he wants a, a wide receiver because he knows, you know, you got to have protection. He knows that more than anybody given what happened to him last year in high school football. So I, I think that he's going to work those guys. He's going to work offensive linemen just as hard as he's going to work wide, wide receivers. And Tennessee's already been involved in some really high profile guys. So you hope that that helps. Let's move on here to Nick D. What are some things necessary for this basketball team to still be playing in April, Rob? Colton Connect needs to, needs to still be. You know, <laughs> it's an easy answer, right? He needs to sashay out there with a flamethrower every night and, and just start spraying it is, is the biggest thing. I mean, I don't, I don't mean to oversimplify it, but, I mean, seriously, dude. I mean, DK needs to be scoring 25-plus a night. If we're gonna be, I mean, you're talking about April. You're talking about playing in the Final Four. Dalton Connect needs to be a guy that goes out there in the second weekend of the NCAA tournament and drops 30 on somebody. Rob, here's an interesting question for you um, on, on that front. Obviously, they have to stay healthy. That That's the first thing that jumps out at you because we saw what happened to this basketball team last year with an injury. Rick Barnes said on Volkholz on Monday night, and he took blame for it. He said, Dalton Connect was tired late in the Alabama game. And he said he played him too many minutes. What, what, what do you think the challenge is for – for Rick Barnes and this staff to manage the next couple of months so that this team is not, quote, out of gas, dead-legged, if you will, when you get to tournament play? And how real of a challenge is that? I mean, Hubbard, I mean, he, he talks like that after every game. I, mean, you, I, I don't mean to come off like a smart out. You're, you're, you're winning by 20 with eight minutes. Take, take somebody out right. every once in a while. You know, I mean, thanks. Hey, Coach, look at the scoreboard. Look, look at Zakai with his hands on his hips because he's played thirty minutes. Maybe you know, take him out. 
Stanford. I, I mean, Hubbard. He does. He doesn't trust Freddie Gillone. He doesn't. He, you know, he doesn't trust Cam Carr enough. I mean, that's. I, I just don't. I don't. I mean, it's on the message board every Tuesday or Wednesday night. You know, when they're beating somebody by, by fifteen or twenty points. I, I don't. I don't know why he does that. Then he comes on vol calls and like, oh, I played him too much. Yeah, coach, you, you did. <laughs> you know, you did. And, you know why? I mean, a little self scout there. <laughs> But but I mean, fix I, it right, and and I, yeah. I think that I think that's I mean, one of the things you worry about is is you don't you want to make sure you're not a just really tired but, tired leg basketball. But team by the same the time. by the same token, if you're if you're Zakai Ziegler who could go out and run a marathon, are you really that much more fatigued in you know sure. in two months because you played eight minutes this week and and, and you know because you played sixty minutes this week instead of you know fifty eight. I don't know, but I mean, I, I think the guy needs to play more guys. I mean, in, in those circumstances, I'm, I'm not saying you need to have a 10, 10 man rotation in the first half when it's, you know, when it's a bloodbath, but when you're up 20 with under 10 minutes to go in the second half. Yeah. I mean, it, it need the bitch a little more coach. All right, let's go to Sam Smith, 22-33. Uh, Tobe played five minutes Saturday against Alabama, played only seven minutes the previous Saturday at Georgia. Is he in Rick's doghouse or is this strictly about matchups, Rob? I think it's just matchups. I mean, if there's a guy who's not in Rick's doghouse for the most part, it's Tobey. I mean, the only thing coach ever gets upset upset with Tobey about, in my experience, is fouls. It's never it's never effort. It's you know maybe you know maybe turnovers here and there, but it's it's not doghouse. It's 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 matchups. I mean, Tobey and Tobey's going to be the guy that that probably gets the short end of the stick when it comes to minutes as, as it regards to matchups. I mean, he's going to put he you know you're never going to play him over Adu. I mean, he, he's not that much of a they're not that different. I mean, it's not like Tobey's that much more agile or, you know, can, can guard different guys because he's a few inches shorter. So it's just, well, uh, I'm rambling. It's, it's, it's just matchups. It's not Tobey. Another one here from Sam Smith with FSU getting punished for NIL violations, Florida oh, under investigations. AP. Do we see schools and collectives getting more cautious? No, I think you're going to see somebody sue the NCAA. Like at the end of the day, the NCAA has how many how many how many wins they got in the in, in the courts in the last five six years? Not many, if at all. So um, I, I I would expect somebody to go hard after the NCAA. The NCAA, if they want to continue to survive, they need to probably uh, get up, you know, regroup, get a plan, and come back and quit trying to be stupid. Like I said, I mean, like it's a free for all. You see it more and more. Ohio State's collective announces Caleb Downs. How did they announce him? How did they, how was he a part of the thing? He he literally just committed. Like like that means there was some kind of talk about NIL before he announced anything before he arrived. That's an inducement. Same thing with the the Iowa thing we talked about earlier. And again, I got no problem with any of it. No problem with any of it. But like, let's call it what it is. We're trying to go after some of these schools, Florida State or whoever. Dowball69 says the SEC has to agree on a scheduling model this summer, right? Or can Greg Sankey keep kicking this can down the road somehow? Nick Saban seemed to be a strong of the a strong opinion that the room around the coaches not wanting it to be the 3-6 model because he would have to draw or Alabama would have to draw UT Auburn and LSU. I, I do remember it was in some interview, maybe on the Pat McAfee show somewhere where Nick Saban kind of nonchalantly said 1-7 in the future. That was earlier back in the fall. Um, but there's been nothing official after the 2024 season. 
Brent, when do we think that we're going to know the permanent format for the Southeastern Conference? Oh, I don't know that you're going to know a permanent. I mean, I think that I think the the question is going to be out there. You know, are you going to go nine? Are you going to stay eight? You know, what what are you going to look like there? Um, and, and I think that I think coaches are interested in staying where they're at at eight. You know, and that being one seven or whatever it is, as opposed to going to nine games. I think to go to nine games, somebody's going to have to throw some some dollar figures out in front of them, and it'd be a big difference in the TV deal. I don't think that's going to be the case. And so I, I think I think the coaches are going to tell their ADs and presidents to stay at eight. I think there's I think there are more coaches in favor of eight than there are in favor of nine um, in, in the conference games right now. And and I and I I think it's going to be fascinating to see what happens in basketball too. Are they going to go to twenty games? They going to stay at eighteen? What are they going to do with the conference schedule in basketball? It's not just football that that this debate's going to be out there about. Well, when they took that straw poll, uh, you know, a year or two ago, however, like I mean, there was only like three of the fourteen or whatever that that were, you know, one at eight. Everybody else was kosher with going to nine. And now I think as they've gotten further down the road, I think you're right. I think they've all started to pivot back to like let's just stay where we're at. Like there's no reason to. Yeah, because a lot of those coaches looked at what the nine was going to look like. Like, man, hell, I'm not interested in this. You know, we I can. Thought we were we getting Zandy. Yeah, we can still. Get, <laughs> we can still get in the playoff with eight. So let's. I mean, why do we want to beat ourselves up? You know, if if we don't if we don't need to do that. So yeah, I mean, I think coaches are definitely more in favor of eight than they were a couple of years ago, for sure. Baseball saying at thirty conference games. In case anybody's wondering, uh, Cades Koval. Was the idea of moving Shadavion Bradley to tie in your own based on something the staff had mentioned? I guess directing this to to Volquest. Um, where, where's Where's Bradley going to be in spring practice? AP? He'll, he'll be back at uh, at Leo, but he worked at tight end some in 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 bowl practice. And no, it was it was not my own idea. <laughs> just uh, based on what I mean, you heard, is just not not a good fit. Not, not not didn't look like there was a future there at tight end when going through drills and that type of stuff for him. Yeah, there you go. And then given Tennessee's depth at weak side defensive end, do you see anyone bulking up and moving to the strong side? I think he means any Leos moving over to the other side. Brent, there's not a Leo on roster right now that's going to move over and play defensive end. Am I wrong, Am I wrong yeah, there? Well, and remember this too. I mean, everybody's like, you know, get, get, get these two pass. I mean, when they go to their, their rabbits pass rush package, they, they put two Leos yes. on the field. I mean, out there at the edges. So, But there's no Tyler Barron who no. started as a Leo and then moved yeah, I, over. Yeah. I'll tell you who the I'll tell you who your strong side defensive end is going to be. It's going to be Tyree Weathersby, and 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 likely he would have been pushing Tyler Barron a year ago had he not, um, had he not had the hip deal. So as long as he comes back to what he was progressing to be, then that'll be who your strong side defensive end is, along with Tyree West. Yeah, and and but the point being, Joshua Joseph is not going to be big enough to be a a, a strong side end. Um, you're not moving James Pierce over there. Herring's not going to be there. They, they don't have a body type to move over there, like you were talking about with with Tyler Barron, who put on the weight and, uh, I guess at times reluctantly flipped to the strong side, but but ended up playing over on, on the strong side when he was bigger. And again, when they go to that Rabbits package, they go slide whoever the strong side guy is down inside, whether yep. that's Weathersby, West, whoever, and then a second Leo's going on the field. Yeah, your 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 pass rushing package is going to be James Pierce and another Leo. You know, Wes, Weathersby, whoever, and then maybe a defensive tackle stays out there, but they get they get speed out there on the uh They'll keep on more on out there. Um, let's go to like Mike. Is the staff recruiting in state safety Jalen Mosley? Yes. Uh Jalen um got injured. 
um, at the tail end of the year. And so he's in rehab right now, but yes, they're, they're recruiting him. See, Breezy says, I realize team captains don't, uh, those roles don't mean much as they used to, but who are the early projected team captains for next season? I'm sure Mays, Brew, Big O are for sure, sure captains, but who else? Nico, Samson, Peely. Uh, Brent, correct me if I'm wrong here. They do team, they do game captains every single week, so the captains kind of change, but there's not anybody that wears that C on their jersey all year long like you see in the NFL, but you do have leaders on both sides of the football, so I think that's more of the question that he may be asking here. Well, those guys he just mentioned are all on the leadership council. Yeah. Um, or Nico will be on the leadership council. I don't think he was there last year. But, I mean, Samson was as a young player. Peely was on it, hadn't hadn't even suited up for Tennessee when he was there. So, I, I think this team's got leadership uh, on the defensive front, at the linebacker level. I think on the offensive side of the ball, they've got Brew McCoy at, at uh, receiver. You, you got a running back leader in Samson. you got a quarterback. you got Cooper Mays. I think the one question you got that you wonder about is, Who's going to carry? Who's going to carry the voice in the secondary? Yep, in the secondary room. Who is going to be? Who's going to be the alpha in that room? Now, when you get all eleven guys out there, you're going to have alphas. But I'm talking about with just that secondary group, kind of who's going to be the alpha male in in, in that room and, and be the leader uh, for that group. I think that's a question mark. The other positions you can look at and say, hey, you know what? They got some leaders there. Tight end, not necessarily, uh, but the rest of them, I think you can certainly make a case that you have a pretty good deal pretty good idea who the leaders are in those position groups yeah i mean i don't know his personality inside the locker room or on the practice field or anything but like you look at that secondary right now and you just immediately kind of would be drawn to a guy like andre turrentine coming on his third year in the program his fourth year in college a veteran guy jordan thomas going on his third year in the program but both those guys kind of just have their toes wet i mean they played a little bit this year but they're not the they're not the jalen mccullers the trayvon flowers you know those guys that were back there forever so yeah, that, that's a really, really good thing to track and kind of see who, who is that voice in the secondary uh, for this team. Uh, let's move on. Let's go to uh, do a couple more here. Do little Vol, what is your favorite or best Todd Helton story? Brent, you wrote about this a couple of days ago. Um, AP, Rob, do you guys have any Todd Helton stories you want to share? I do not. Go ahead, Robert. Well, I mean, I've written about a about a bunch of of, of Todd Helton stories, and and he was one of, you know, I, I've been blessed in my career to cover, and as a very young guy, I've covered two Hall of Famers, and and Peyton Manning and Todd Helton, um, which is just crazy to think that that I have had the opportunity to deal with them when they came in as freshmen and and covered them through through their careers. I, I, and I've said this, I mean, the thing about Todd was just just how competitive he was. We talk about alpha males. I mean, no offense to Rod Del Monaco, who um, uh, you know, is kind to me, and we we always got along fine. And and I think Rod was a good coach and a good manager. That was Todd Helton's team. That that was Todd's team in '94, '95, particularly in '95. And um, he didn't make lineup decisions. He didn't fill out things. But I mean, in the locker room, on the practice field, game days. I mean, that was Todd's team. And everybody looked to Todd. Nobody wanted to disappoint Todd. And when Todd felt like his team needed him and whatever role that was, he stepped up and did it. I mean, he was hurting. He was hurting in his hip significantly at the end of the 95 season. And he went out and started the last three SEC games on Sunday and pitched complete game wins. And then he went to the College World Series. And no no batter in a nine-inning complete game win over Clemson ever got to a three-ball count on Todd Helton. Um, it, it just – the moment was never too big for Todd, no matter how he felt, no matter what. If he knew what his team needed, 
he was going to show up and get it done. And that's why I've always had great respect for Todd Helton uh, as a competitor. Yeah. I mean, as far as Todd Helton stories for me, I was way too young for those days, but I can, I do know it. I, I knew his, his uncle Joel extremely well. I've got some great Joel Helton stories. Um, and you know, I, those games back in the early nineties with Oak Ridge and Jerry Colquitt, Todd Helton and central, you know, th- those are games that will live in Knoxville high school football lore forever, forever. And, and so like th- that was just a golden era of, of Knoxville high school football as far as, as far as teams and individual talent. And, you know, you know, the Heltons are just so synonymous over there at central, not just him, but Zach, I mean, they, you know, they're, they're a big part of Knoxville. Last one that's going to go to Darnell Flop wants to know if you had to select three current balls to get picked in the first round of the NFL draft next year, who would that be? First off, I don't think there's going to be three first round picks from Tennessee. That's asking a lot, but there are some names out there. The first name, I believe, Rob, would would, would be James 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 Pierce, Pierce. would be the first one that comes to mind. And then, then, what? I mean, is there one? Yeah, and and I wonder if he means if if everybody on the roster is draft eligible, would there be three guys? You know, is there two years from now? Is there a first round draft pick? I mean, we're, we don't know. Because yeah, I mean, then you can throw Nico in that conversation, but yeah, obviously he's but, not draft eligible. I mean, the, the guy who's going to hear, who's going to meet the if he stays healthy, who's going to meet the commissioner on the stage with a bro hug and a hat and a jersey is going to be James Pierce. And um, you going to be there? Where is the draft? Where is the draft in in twenty? I don't know. It's in, I think it's in Detroit or Cleveland. We're going to send Rob Lewis to Vegas. If it's I know. We're going to have to check and see if the grass is in first in, in April, wherever, wherever it's at, aren't we, AP? <laughs> see if the Bermuda's in in the last week. Are the leaves on the trees? <laughs> They're not. All right. So James Pierce and then, um, you know, uh, let's see, see about some of these other younger guys. But as far as, as, as the question was written for next year, I mean, I – I, I, I don't think there's anybody else other than a James Pierce you could talk about right Agreed. now, at least. All right. Big thank you to uh, everybody joining us and sending us in questions. There were a lot of questions. We weren't able to get to them all, so I do apologize for that. But thanks for sending them in anyway. We'll do it again next week. Big thanks to our friends, Exterior Home Solutions, for making all this possible. Local trusted since 1999. Uh, give them a call today for a free estimate, 865-524-5888, or visit them online at exteriorhomesolutions.com. For Austin Price, Brett Hubs, Rob Lewis, I'm Eric Kane. Thanks so much for being here and listening to us here on the Ball Quest Podcast. You've been listening to the Ball Quest Mailbag Podcast every week right here on Ball Quest.